1: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at borough.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash acast.
2: This is Broad Radio. For you by you.
3: Broad Radio. Here for more.
1: Hello and welcome to Broad Radio. I'm Jo Stanley and I'm thrilled to welcome my co-host today, Angela Pippos. Hi there, Ange. Hi, Joe. Good to be with you again. So nice to see you and uh, you've got a couple of shout outs from some extraordinary women in the Olympics.
2: Well, if you're struggling for some inspiration, listen to this. I love this so much. There are a couple of women competing at the Olympics who are in their mid-40s. Mid to late 40s, actually. <laughs> Shout out to Oksana Chuzovitna, a 46-year-old gymnast representing Uzbekistan. This is her eighth Olympics. She won gold in Barcelona in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> and she only just missed out on the finals. Oh so God. she was right up there with the best of them. And good on her. I mean, I know there's a lot of spring in that, mat, but you still need... <laughs> You need to have the skill, and she's got it. Love her story. And also, we have a table tennis player from Victoria, Jian Fang Lei, 48 years old. And this is her sixth Olympics, and she's through to the third round. She's still in it. I mean, I love these stories so much. This is I what I need it. to hear.
1: Oh, I agree. And it's amusing to both of us because we have tired knees and I can't do a somersault. So, how Oksana <laughs> manages to spring across that flippy mat, I do not know. How she manages I'm telling that. You.
2: There is a lot of spring in that mat. As a sports journalist, I covered a little bit of gymnastics over the over the years. And when I did the stories, I remember getting on that mat just saying, how much spring is there <clears throat> on this mat? And it's, it's great. You would love it.
1: It's fun. Yeah, no, nah, but there's no way I'm nah. doing a backward, forward, whatever, <laughs> flippity-floppity that they do. There's no chance. I can't even do a cartwheel. I'm so impressed with them. And I know that the table tennis it's not like when we go down to our friend's holiday house and do a no. bit of ping pong in, in the garage. No. It's hardcore. So
2: Yeah, I mean, it's great. These are great stories. There's lots of good stories at the Olympics, but, you know, women and men competing well into their 40s, uh, we love that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll have more Olympics talk a little later on in the show. Also in the show today, the hilarious Geraldine Hickey is joining us later on in the show. We have writer, researcher and Yorta Yorta woman Dr. Summer Mae Finlay is joining us to tell us how we can be great allies to Aboriginal people in Australia. And in just a moment, we are crossing to New Jersey, no less, just outside of New York. We're going to meet New York physician and musician Dr. Sidel Ross who brings music to her palliative care. It's such a beautiful story. And it's just a little bit of housekeeping up the top. If you are watching on YouTube, it would be awesome if you liked and subscribed us. If you're watching on Facebook, it'd be great if you liked and followed us. I know that all sounds a bit needy, but at this early stage of our development, it's so important. If you are watching live today, do join the conversation. We love it when you share your conversations. And uh, if you make comments along the way, it really is awesome to know what's going on in your life and your minds you can always catch up with any episodes on our podcast which is called broad radio on the go wherever you listen to your podcast you can catch that and we love it when you join our one question more to say poll uh, this week we're asking actually and I'm interested in this in the response. You know, the Olympics has had a bit of a troubled start. And what are your vibes? Are you into it? Are you? Have you always been a massive fan or do you go all the way down to never interested? Certainly not now. Has it kind of lost the gloss for you? I feel like I actually was speaking with a, a friend down the street earlier this week. He, he was like, not interested. Don't even think it should have gone ahead. Yes, you're going to get that full range of opinions to
2: this topic i mean i've always been into it obviously um i do think we overstate the um it's a great distraction from life argument because i find myself watching the olympics but you know the lockdown and pandemic is not too far away from my mind as well Mm. it's really hard to turn off with everything going on in the world at the moment but um there's been a, a lot of reason to celebrate watching
1: Yes, uh, I will say yesterday I was trying to watch the Olympics and my daughter in remote learning had a maths test and it was very inconvenient. I've got to say, you can't do both, unfortunately. Um, If you do enter (laughs) this poll at broadradio.com.au, you go in the running to win a beautiful Love Your Hands pack with thanks to Cyber Organics, one of the world's only 100% certified organic products. So do get along and do that. Um, So we're going to be speaking a lot about uh, the Olympics a little later on. But first, and I want to acknowledge, as we're about to introduce our first guest, Um, It's a bit of a funny old world, we're all joining remotely, Mm -hmm. the rest of the world or even just suburbs along, you and I are only one one maybe far 10 minute bike ride away from each other, (laughs) but here we are joining remotely. But I've loved that about the Olympics that I'm seeing the rest of the world for the first time in over a year yes i
2: feel as though i know every blade of grass in my five kilometer <laughs> zone so it is yes. really nice to get out isn't it and to see the rest of the world i've been watching joanna lumley gallivanting around the world with her documentaries and and rick stein food shows just to get some different imagery you mm. know to get out of this 5k zone so yeah i know what you're saying it's um it's thank God we do have the connection through technology.
1: Yes, so um, this is, very exciting to us because uh, we're doing this live and it's a little bit hairy, but we're going to do it anyway because I reckon the connection is going to get us there. Um, we're crossing to a woman who I actually discovered on LinkedIn. Again, I just hmm. I just love the world that we can just reach out to each other and say hello and people say hello back and now we're talking. It's just lovely. Um, and then I listened to her podcast and uh, we've been chatting on Zoom and she's joining us now all the way from New Jersey. She is a physician and a musician. And she brings both of them together in a beautiful service, I'm going to say. Dr. Sadell Ross, good morning or evening to you.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's evening now in my neck of the woods. And good evening to you, Joe, and good evening, Ange. Pleasure to be with you. So,
1: I just love what you do. You uh, caught my eye because you work in uh, a hospice, which in Australia is called palliative care, and you work with people who are at the end of their lives. And as a part of being a doctor for those people, you sing to them bedside. Can you explain how this came
0: about? So a little bit of of a background to this. When I was six years old, I remember telling my mother I was going to become... I was going to be a doctor and a singer. And I would do both. I would take care of my patients and I would, you know, by singing to them, along with, you know, the more kind of conventional and traditional ways that we take care of patients, but singing was going to be a big part of it. Um, you know, over the years, unfortunately, that kind of, the singing got pushed to the side and all of the, the studies in the medical studies and the sciences and all of that, that really took up a lot of my time and that's what I focused on. But truthfully, once I became a physician and I started practicing medicine, I was so unhappy. There was something that was just not there, something huge that was missing. And I was forced to just take a step back and kind of reevaluate what has always, the things that have always brought a sense of purpose and meaning to my life. And every time I thought about it, I would just come back to singing and music. And so one day I I had this, this epiphany. I thought, what if, what if, I just one day sang at the bedside for someone. Let's see how that goes. And that's really how it started to tell you the truth. I, you know, when you're, (laughs) when you walk in a path along the path that you're meant to walk, it's funny how things kind of line up. And it just so happened that the, the day that I made that decision, one of my patients, the, the, I was asked to see a patient who was a professional jazz musician. And he was dying from cancer. And so, of course, music had been a huge part of his life. It had been what, that's how he identified. That was his identity, a musician. And so I thought, this is the perfect opportunity. This is the, the time to start. And I just kind of jumped right in. And from there, that that has made all the difference. It hasn't been easy, I will say, because I had to overcome some of my own obstacles, the things that I put in my own way, before I started doing this work. I I questioned my ability to do it because I, I always identified as a physician, but not so much a musician or a singer. And so I used to think, well, who's going to take me seriously? I might start singing and then someone's going to be like, you suck. What are you doing?
1: This is a joke. Get out of here. Wow.
2: Well...
0: How how wonderful
2: that you have been able to combine your two passions of music and medicine. I want to hear more about the response you get when you're having these bedside singing sessions, the response from the patients, but also their loved ones as well. Tell us about, um, perhaps share some of those experiences.
0: Absolutely. So the one, (laughs) there are quite a few kind of precious moments (laughs) <laughs> there was one veteran who was very angry. He came in with um, really end stage prostate cancer and he was angry at everybody because everybody, he blamed everybody for what he had been experiencing. He could no longer walk, he was paralyzed because the cancer had compromised his, his spinal cord. And so, but we learned, my, you know, my teammates and I learned that he also loved music. And so I thought, you know what, maybe let me just try. I'll give it a a go, I'll give it a a shot. I'm gonna go in there and see if I can sing something for this gentleman to see if that might help to break the ice. (laughs) So I go in there, I say, Mr. X, I'm Dr. Ross. I heard that you love music and would it be okay if I were to sing something for you? He's like, yeah, whatever, all right, yeah, you know, go ahead (laughs) and I start singing. And I see him close his eyes. Tears start streaming down his eyes. And he says, at the end of it, he looks at me, and he goes, what the bleepity bleep are you doing in this bleeping hospital? You're wasting your time here. You need to be on a stage somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> you need to be on Broadway. Get out of here! Stop this! Stop it! <laughs> and, um, and from that moment, you know, I, I would I would go to his room almost on a daily basis, and we would and we sang, and that opened up doors of communication, and he was no longer angry at me, and um, and until the day that he died, we we would sing. Would sing. I would sing, sometimes he would join in, and he looked forward to my visits. He would ask for me uh, to come in and sing at the bedside. There was um, another occasion, a relative, she had just learned that her husband had um, stage four lung cancer. And we're in the room, I'm there with the the primary doctors who are delivering this, you know, the difficult news. And they leave the room, I stay behind, And I learned that they're very, they're religious and, um, and music too was a very part, a big part of their lives in being steeped in the Christian tradition. And so I decided that I I said, you know, would it be okay if I just sang a little song for you, his eyes on the sparrow. And, um, the, the wife, she said, sure, that would be fine. And I, I sang and she too started crying. I was there with my social worker and she said to the social worker, you know, I like you, Dr. Ross,
3: I love you. (laughs) 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 Uh, Sit down. I
0: mean, she, she just just me so tightly. I I just, I could feel the appreciation and, and just the gratitude for, for what I did in that moment. Mm. Uh, and I yeah. hope that she took that with her and that it it, it lifted her spirits for quite some time. Mm.
1: So that, so I could I go think... on and on with that you know,
0: I <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: I, I can imagine uh, you are faced with extraordinary moments every day in your job and anyone who has, I'm going to say, been privileged enough to be present with a loved one as their life has ended is aware that the incredible um, importance of teams such as yourself incredible you know people that sit around and help us see our loved ones out of this life Um, super important and just really moving to hear you speak about how you step into someone's moment like that what what is the power of music why does it why does it shift us in this way in such an incredibly um emotional and, and and really primal moment of our lives
0: yeah. it's um that's a great question and there's a lot of research now going on that seeks to answer just that question why why does music make us feel the way that we do and some of the research suggests that music really activates various parts of the brain certainly um we have the auditory center, so we hear it, but when we hear a a familiar song. There's also the memory associated with the song. I mean, I think we can all relate to when we might have heard, let's see, La Bamba, for instance. <laughs> um, <laughs> and how and, and we can associate the great memories that we have, right, with, with that song. And, and, you know, other songs that we enjoyed during the course of our lives. And so, we're finding that it's the activation of all of these centers, the pleasure center, you know, dopamine is released in our brain. So we kind of get a bit of a high also, sometimes when we listen to certain songs, Um, the emotional centers in our brain get activated as well. So sometimes a song may make us feel more somber, a little more solemn. Um, And so all of these areas activated at the same time really has an effect on us that few things a few things do. The music is really very unique in that sense.
2: Siddell, is the power of music in situations like this widely understood by health professionals or is there some resistance to the beauty of this?
0: Yes, and so not, a, not well understood, uh, to answer the first um, part of the question, and not necessarily accepted by all health care practitioners. So we still have a lot of skeptics in the field. um, And this is why I'm trying to do my part, to do as much as I can to really promote um, awareness of music's healing potential so that this can be made more widely available and become really part of the standard of care for taking care of patients. I mean, who is not going to want a modality, an intervention that can bring them comfort and joy when they're faced with Literally life or death situations. Who, who, won't, who won't want that? And I think, and, and the research is, is promising. There's more and more evidence coming out to suggest that this is this is a credible treatment modality that that is worth exploring. Because I, I will tell you, I um one of the things that I have found, and one of the reasons that I became so disenchanted with the way that I was originally practicing medicine, was because I found that. I felt that there were times when I was causing more harm than good. I was practicing pain medicine and I was prescribing opioids. And it became very clear to me that for a certain subset of these patients, these medications were not helping. In fact, they were only causing harm. And I didn't feel good about the work that I was doing. I really didn't. And that was devastating. It really was devastating because what that did, I have now come to realize, was that it it set up or it, it created the roots of the imposter syndrome, right? So mm-hmm. you I found myself in this in going down this dark path of just not knowing where I was and what I was doing and not believing in what I was doing and wondering if I was even meant to be doing this work and 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 just doubting my 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 identity, my professional identity. Mm-hmm. And that was just not a good place to not a good place to be. And so once I took this step back and I reassessed and took a look at my life and realized that this is what I need to do, I decided that this is what I'm just, I'm going to just do it. And, and whoever wants to come along with me, they're welcome to come along. And we hope that along the journey, we'll bring more people with us. And, and you know, we can really create a movement to, to revolutionize healthcare. That that's That's what I hope for.
1: It is really extraordinary what you're doing. Uh, we've got a comment on Facebook from Linda who says, the smallest things often make the biggest difference. at such an important part of someone's life. So thank you for your gift. Uh, we're going to ask you to sing in just a moment, but I just in reference to that, for those of us who, and I think we all must go through this at some point where we're saying goodbye to someone that we love, and it's for us a very strange experience. For you, it's daily that you're in that world. What sorts of things can we do in those moments when we're saying goodbye to the people that we love that would assist them on their journey?
0: Yeah, so I always encourage loved ones to just sit at the bedside, hold the hand of, of their loved one, speak, speak to them, speak in calm in a calm, soothing voice. There is some belief that that hearing is the last sense to go, to leave a person in their last hours of life. So we encourage loved ones to speak, express their love, reassure their loved one that it's okay for them to go. Um, Certainly having some soothing music. Of course, I will advocate for that. Um, having some soothing music that the person would have enjoyed during the course of their life can also be helpful because all of these things help to create an environment of peace and, and helps to kind of transition the passage from from this life. So those are some, just some little things I think that can really create special moments at the end of life
2: when i was telling my partner about the work you do he he said to me please don't sing to me in my final <laughs> hours <laughs> that's his wish <laughs> fair enough
1: yeah i would say the same Ange, if you happen my to be by almost, my bedside
0: <laughs> i say to people People always say, well, you know, you can sing, so you'll just sing, it's fine for you. But what about those of us who can't sing? And I say, listen, you know, I believe that as long as you can speak, you can sing. Ah. Not necessarily a matter of how well you sing. I mean, who's who's to say that someone sings well or doesn't sing well? Like, what standards do we use Mm. uh, to determine that? It's very arbitrary, actually. Yes. Um, And so... (laughs) I feel like if you want to sing, just sing. I, I don't think he'll hold it against you. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: down. to wrap this beautiful conversation up, would you be able to sing a few bars for us?
0: Sure. Um, there's a song that I often sing um, with my patients because it's uplifting and it's, it's fun. And many of them know the song so they can join in if they're able to. And it's called Blue Skies. So here it goes. Blue skies smiling at me. Nothing but blue skies do I see.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you, Sadelle. That just gave me goosebumps. That was incredible. Oh, that's, thank you. What what an incredible gift that is. Your voice is a true gift. Do check out Sadelle's podcast prescriptions in song and uh, wow i just feel so blessed to have had you on the show today thank you so much actually i need to tell you that uh we have had another comment from dr lillian who uh she is one of our our regular viewers on broad radio and she's a psychologist actually dr lillian she says are you singing as a form of torture to get my kids out of bed in the morning <laughs> Oh, that's, no, that's great. That's... <laughs> Singing has a lot of power, obviously. So.
0: Exactly.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Sadal yes. it's so been much. so lovely to have you all the way from New Jersey. Thank you so much. And thank all the best. You. Thank to you, you for all.
0: having me. Yes, thank you.
1: Take care. Be well. We'll have we'll a broad after this. <music> Wow, Ange, that was incredible, wasn't it?
2: Fantastic. It was so moving and, um, well, I can't sing like that.
1: No. Not many people can. No, that's that's a true gift that she was born with, you and I, that... We were not born with that. Um a couple of another piece of news that we wanted to touch on before we move on to our next guest actually, um, which is the announcement that uh the all ten recommendations from the Foster Review that was set up after Brittany Higgins made her public allegations of being raped in Parliament House, all ten recommendations have been uh accepted by the government, which is an extraordinary result. And we wanted to mention this really because Brittany Higgins is such a courageous young woman. Because of her actions and her speaking publicly, um, we expect hopefully to see real change in our government and in our parliament and the way women and men really are treated. All power to Brittany Higgins. We've said this before, but uh, incredibly
2: brave, courageous, and she, she now has an enduring legacy. You know, the place needs to be fixed up and mm. her bravery is going to go some way to changing the culture, not just in federal parliament but hopefully, you know, more broadly in Australian society. So um, that was, yeah, that was good to see. Let's mm. hope the rest of the story, the, the truth comes out as well.
1: Yes, this should not be the end of the investigation mm. into what went on there. Absolutely not. So, yeah, we just wanted to call that out and say um, thank you again to Brittany Higgins for incredible courage that she has shown.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and
2: still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at
3: broadradio.com.au. Or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on
2: demand anytime, anywhere. Every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am Existential Crisis. We've got you
1: covered. Broad Radio, here for more. Oh, my goodness, Ange. <laughs> These things happen when you're doing anything live and you got to roll with it, right? So let's uh, let's forget that I... That's what we, that's, that's what we like about it. It can, it can go pear-shaped at any moment. That's what makes this whole thing exhilarating. It's true. And, you know, every now and then people go, oh, what, you're live? What if this happens? What if that happens? I'm like, oh, who cares? Like seriously, who cares? <laughs> we're not we're not trying to pretend to be the project. I wouldn't wouldn't dream of it because they're doing their thing. We're doing our thing here on Broad Radio. So, anyway, let's move on. Um, as I was <laughs> saying, as I was saying, you may have noticed that we've started adding to our guest titles the traditional place names of where our guests happen to be. So, and you and I are both on Bunurong Country. Um, we're only five minutes from each other, and we're both on Bunurong Country. Um, and we sort of I feel like we're kind of joining a trend because Australia Post now they've provided a place on their envelopes where you can put traditional names and I know the project are doing it and I think the ABC weather map and you know you're starting to see this evolve which is just glorious I think Um, for us we just wanted to do just one little thing that we could easily do to try and be better allies for Aboriginal people and and I think to learn how to be good allies, it's probably best though that we speak to an Aboriginal person who could tell us exactly how best to do that. So we're really pleased to welcome Dr Summer May Finlay, researcher and proud Yorta Yorta woman. Good morning, Summer.
3: Good morning. And I'm on Durable country of the Wadi Wadi people here in Wollongong. So I'm in the Greater Sydney lockdown catchment. Um, But it was great to hear that where you're from as well.
1: Well, I know that Aboriginal people make up only 3% of the Australian population, which is obviously by numbers a reason why we should be the best allies we could possibly be. But why do you why can you tell us why it's important for us all to stand up and speak up for Aboriginal people?
3: Yeah, well, firstly, as you said, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people only make up 3% of the population. So if we are actually to see uh, better. Uh, representation and a better understanding of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and cultures, we need the 97% to stand with us and for us. And quite frankly, we know that across uh, this country, there are lots and lots of allies, but we really need to be seeing them stand up at all times, not just say during NAIDOC week or reconciliation week, because there are lots of issues that our mob face. And also, there's lots that we can contribute. So, we really need to be making sure that um, our allies stand with us so that we can see substantive change. And that way, Australia can actually be a a better nation for everybody.
2: Summer, in one of your articles that I read, you say that non Indigenous people often fall into one of three categories there are tokenistic, allies or accomplices when it comes to engaging with Aboriginal and uh, Torres Strait Islander issues. Um, Can you give us a snapshot of each of those three categories?
3: Yeah. Actually, I wrote this article in a little bit of a... I guess, a rage around um, particularly tokenistic people in the lead up to Reconciliation Week. Because we do hear that a lot of people are, you know, buying clothes that are from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organisations, which is fantastic. Um, around the Black Lives Matter movement, particularly early last year when COVID was um, first labelled as a pandemic, we saw that people were putting up the, the black screen on their social media pages. But these are people that I've never ever seen do anything substantive or ever actually make any comments. And so these are the people who felt like they it felt like they needed to be seen to be doing the right thing, but didn't necessarily do the right thing in terms of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander affairs. 365 days a year, um, which is what our allies tend to do. They tend to be um, people who are often engaging in our space, really actually demonstrating that they stand with us, they educate themselves because, again, as 3% of the population, if we educated every non-Aboriginal person in this country, we would literally do nothing else. I wouldn't sleep, I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't go to the toilet Mm -hmm. because that's how much time it would take. Um, But our accomplices go to a whole nother level. They actually stand with us at all times, even when things get tough, um, even when they're copying backlash from their friends and family. I know when I was teaching um, my students at the University of Wollongong, when they were talking about Black Lives Matters, they would often say to me, I don't know how to challenge some of my family's negative views or my friend's negative views. They wanted to be able to, but they didn't have the language. And our accomplices are people that are more experienced at this. They will actually take these issues on and they will really will put their, themselves on the line. I mean, as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, we do not have an option but to do this. This is our lives. I'm a soon-to-be mother. This is my, my future child's life that we're talking about. And our allies, they're there, but sometimes they dip out because they need a break. But our accomplices are the ones that stand with us because they know we never get a break. Hmm.
1: Do you think there are times when people want to step in to being allies or accomplices, but fear getting it wrong, and so yeah. they don't do anything at all? And is it better to just have a go in the just just to have a go
3: and risk getting it wrong rather than do nothing? I think sometimes it depends on the situation, so I hear this a lot, Um, um, a lot of the work that I do at the University of Wollongong is actually talking to other lecturers and subject and course coordinators about how to incorporate content into the curriculum and I regularly hear they're worried about getting it wrong. I think first and foremost I really encourage people to take some baby steps which is actually around self-education and actually listening and reading and following so you can get yourself in trouble if you go marching off down a path without Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people because it can be a space that gets tricky Um, but again talking to Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people but mostly listening is what I encourage. But I mean no one ever gets it 100% right, let's be honest. And as an Aboriginal woman, I am only a single Aboriginal woman in this country and we're going to have different views as well. So there will always be people that actually think things should be done differently. So sometimes there is no 100% right option. So yes, in those instances I would say you talk to your local mob and you make sure that you're doing what they want you to do Um, recognising that there may be other people that disagree with that approach but that's okay Um, and i always say you know tony abbott for example doesn't represent all white men of a certain age Um, so no aboriginal person can represent all (laughs) aboriginal people so um, we need to respect the diversity but also i would say educate yourself and then just jump in Hmm. what about at
2: the beginning of the education process are our schools getting it right and i'm thinking about primary school really where We need to um, learn more because I was at primary school many, many, many years ago and it was a really sort of um, rubbish.
0: Oh, it was uh, almost non-existent.
2: Well, it was almost non-existent and it certainly didn't. It didn't cover, you know, the activism and all the other stuff. It was sort of like what happened when the, you know, the first fleet arrived and that was about it. It didn't talk about what came before, and it didn't talk about what came afterwards as well. Um, what do you know? What's happening in our schools at that level?
3: There is so much better education in our schools than when I was in primary school as well. I mean, I left my last year of primary school was ninety three, so I'm kind of showing my age. And I have to say, all I heard about was Captain Cook and how fantastic he was that he found this country, kind of like we were lost. Um, <laughs> and so. But I have to say, it's not the young ones that I worry about. Like, I hear some profound statements coming out of children and also teenagers. It's actually people probably of my age that are probably the problem or the baby boomers who didn't have the education that the current school system has. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect. There are issues, but it's come a long way. Um, from, when, from when I first went. Um, and they are hearing about NADOC and Reconciliation Week. We do know that there are schools that maybe do it better than others um, and they tend to be, say, the more progressive schools, which is fantastic in areas where there's high Aboriginal populations. Um, so, yeah, schools are doing a lot better. High schools probably need to lift their game a little bit, um, but primary schools are, are, are pretty pretty good at getting on board with this stuff.
1: I've actually witnessed in some of my friends that they've been heavily influenced by our kids and what they're learning at school and it's really shifted, you know, their understanding and their attitudes in really beautiful ways. And so, yeah, once again, we're being led by the younger generation. One of the things that I have really, really enjoyed Summer, just simply by putting the traditional place name on our guest titles is that I've explored the map and I'm looking at our country in, in the way that, you know, the different sort of traditional lands are separated and that's just been joyous for me in a completely new way of exploring my, my country. Um, what are some places we can go to to really enjoy and explore Aboriginal culture and history and stories because that's where it really comes alive?
3: Yeah, so when you're thinking about that, I mean you guys are in Melbourne, the Currie Heritage Trust when you're no longer in lockdown is a great place. They have a lot of art as well as history. Um, Also you can go to places like if you're in New South Wales, uh, the Art Gallery of New South Wales has fantastic art and our art often tells a story not just of our traditional cultures but also of our history. So you've got people like Ginger Riley, who have, they paint about the mission system, and it's a great way of actually starting to think about uh, what actually happened to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And for those that are in lockdown, I highly recommend you go to Reconciliation Australia's website. They have a lot of information there and 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 history. But it, actually, in its state and territory, there is a reconciliation um organization within each of those states and territories. So if you want some more local content, so Reconciliation New South Wales, for example, has a lot of information on there. And they also have, when you're talking about schools, they also have information and resources for people who um, are in primary school. So if you're a teacher or you're a parent actually teaching from home at the moment, and I know, New South, I know Victoria is coming um, out of that soon and will be able to go back to school. But if you ever go back into another lockdown, um, you can actually access those resources for your children.
2: And, Joe, we can do more as TV radio presenters. When we get asked to go on panels, um, I, I know I could do more to recommend Aboriginal people to speak for mm. themselves rather than have, have us, you know, try and imagine what their experiences are like, because that's something that I encounter time and time again in TV and radio is um, you're not heard, mm. and that's a yeah. that's a discrimination and a either conscious or unconscious bias from those people who book guests.
3: Could I say I 100% agree, um, and particularly if you're talking about an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issue, or even if you're not, if you're talking about an issue which you know Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are significantly impacted by, then I think it's really important that we speak for ourselves. There are a lot of our mobs that are actually really good at speaking, and we do speak, but sometimes we don't actually have access to the mainstream platforms. And I think that for those accomplices and allies that are genuinely actually creating those spaces for us, that's often what we need. And can I just say, I had an absolute, completely off topic here. and Yes. Um, but I have an absolute pleasure listening to the last um uh, guest that you had Sidell. on, Sidell. She was fantastic. My mum was involved in palliative care for a long time and hearing how she sings to people. Me and my mum can't sing to save ourselves. I know that she said anyone can sing but um, we are tone deaf. So, um, But music is such a fantastic thing and I have to say that um, I'm really pleased to see Aboriginal musicians really being in the forefront of music with uh, people like Briggs and um, Baker Boy uh, and Thelma Plum. So music is something mm. I think that's really important. And I also think that's a really good tool for reconciliation. So Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, I totally was, agree. she was fabulous. Oh, she was extraordinary she was. And, and um I'm I'm really I don't know, I've always been quite uh, obsessed with death <laughs> and end of life, I suppose, and how best to do, how to do it better, I guess. Um, mm. So yeah, I was really excited to meet Siddell. But when you speak about uh, Aboriginal musicians and Torres Strait Islander musicians, we have so many, and we've got Emma Donovan joining us on the show in a couple of weeks who, okay. oh my God, her voice. Ugh, I just, it, it, it moves me every time I hear it. So um, Summer, it's just been delightful to have you on on Broad Radio as well. What is just very quickly, if we were to challenge ourselves today, What is one thing we can do to be better allies for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Australia?
3: There's one thing that I always ask people to do when asked this question, and it's really to challenge racism, discrimination and misinformation. So it doesn't matter if it's within your family, if it is at the pub, if it is online, because if it goes unchallenged by anybody, then you're kind of part of the problem, in my opinion, because... Silence actually continues to perpetrate, stereotypes, misinformation and racism. And quite frankly, we bear the brunt of it, whether it's in our healthcare systems where our mob are dying, um, whether or not it's in our school systems where our, you know, young ones are actually often discriminated against. Um, we really need to be making sure that it's challenged at all levels of society and, and even in the home. Mm. Thank you so much,
1: Dr Summer May Finlay. It's just been a delight to have you.
3: Thank you for having me. And I'm sorry I can't sing you a song at the end like the last guest.
1: (laughs) Oh, look, you know, we could, all three of us who can't sing. Just join in. Who knows? (laughs) Safety (laughs) in numbers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Summer. You You take
3: care. And all the best with the baby. Thank you. Coming soon. Oh, it's exciting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll have more Broad Radio after this. Oh, it's time to welcome one of our favorite comedians to the show we just absolutely love her she's award-winning let's uh, make sure that we remind everybody of that because she won the melbourne international comedy festival mm-hmm. outstanding show award this year geraldine hickey hello jazz oh have we got your
4: voice oh don't tell oh me. no there oh. i am <laughs> you freaked me out lady <laughs> sorry oh my god. it's um <laughs> I've got this really um, great mic that um, is very easy to turn on and off and I was very happily, hang on, sorry, I'll I'll stop moving. (laughs) There you are, there you are, you're looking gorgeous.
1: Hey, are you going to sing for us?
4: (laughs) Blue skies, no, that's enough for me. (laughs) That was great though, wasn't it? Oh, I'm so glad there was a guest on in between because I was like, oh my God, I can't go on yet, I'm crying. Anyway, it's beautiful. Yeah. So you bring joy to people,
1: Jez, as a comedian. Maybe in our end of life we'll get you in to tell a few gags
4: by the bedside. Imagine that. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, you were coming in to tell tell a few jokes. Oh, that would send them off quicker. That would be all right, you know. Well, there's always time. Die together at the same time. That's
1: a good business idea.
4: Is it? (laughs)
2: listen Absolutely.
1: you guys everybody in live entertainment have been so resilient during lockdown finding the most incredible ways to keep having us uh, enjoy your your talent and your art so maybe that's another way to get down to get another revenue stream <laughs> how have
4: you managed through lockdown there Jess? oh mate it's um do you know what have i done do it i've i've i'm really into birds um Are you- yeah, I just, do. You know what? I just found it. I during lockdown last year, I um, because I'm down in in Venus Bay, which is in South Gippsland, so I just there's a lot of you know space, and I had um, really fortunate to for a lot of lockdown, we didn't have the five k limit. I think. Yeah, we so had a chance to really go and explore and stuff. So, um, and I just um, looked at a lot of birds. Um, I just I would go out with my camera and kind of find a bird and just take photos and stuff. Um, and it was just kind of it gave. It's like someone once described bird watching as it's bushwalking with a purpose. And I'm so into that, like the, you know, the idea of going for a walk is like you're going for a walk. Mm -hmm. But if you're going for a walk to, you know, see if you can spot a particular kind of bird or see if you can find a bird that you've never seen before, then it's a bit more, oh, I've got something to do with my day. (laughs) Um, So I think someone, um, uh, Sean Dooley, who's the uh, editor of BirdLife magazine, um, would come on the radio that I did on Triple R. He'd be a guest once a month, um, so he kind of um, got me into loving birds a bit. But he started this thing where it's like in the five k. When we first had the five k lockdown, he said just see how many birds, different types of species of birds, you can see in your five k zone. Um, and I was like, oh, that's a that's a cool challenge. Um, and then I think I got to twenty or 21 different types of birds and he got that within his first half an hour um, <laughs> so and he i said was that pretty good he goes yeah keep going mate so i <laughs> you know i did oh. so and while i was doing it just yeah it took heaps of photos and stuff of them and would put them up on instagram and all that kind of stuff and then i ended up um making a bird calendar um <laughs> And sold them, which is great because, you know, I lost so much work last year and you know, that was just this little bit of money, especially over the Christmas and New Year's time. So Yeah, but, it was really so, helpful.
1: So are you a good photographer to be putting it in a in a calendar or are they are
4: they comic shots of birds? <laughs> let me or? let me I've got one right in front of me. I'll show you <laughs> I'll get it. Oh my god, how embarrassing. It's so stuck on there. It's so much more stuck than I thought it was going to be. So there's. Oh, yeah. That's there's not a Carol. Bad photo. Carol. Carol. Like that? <laughs> I oh, yeah, even... they all have names. <laughs> like, Carol is. She's a team leader of the office um, social planning committee. Disappointed herself for making that with Trevor <laughs> at the end of financial year party. Already has a venue booked for the Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Carol. It's a
2: bird calendar with stereotypes. I love it.
4: <laughs> yeah. that's There's Bridget oh bridget yeah she's um oh this is bridget looks like a hot mess what's happening with bridget there well yeah bridget isn't convinced that 36 is too old to make the olympic gymnastics team watches nadia (laughs) comaneci at the 1976 (laughs) montreal olympic games when she's feeling down (laughs) that's you know topical you know it is so yeah i've done there's some eastern curlews Anyway, oh, wow. whatever I've, I've done, all right there. Yeah. You know your stuff. I'm not a fan of birds. Ange, do you like birds? I hate
1: them. Not yeah, I like. I like birds.
2: Not. We've got love doves out the back, and I found in lockdown really? sort of part of the rhythm was just to watch the two love doves because they hang out in pairs, just to make sure they're okay every day. And once they were okay, I could get on with my day.
4: Yeah. Oh, it's nice. beautiful. What do? You, are you? Do you have a fear of birds, Joe, or what's going on? What's wrong with them? Um, I. It could, you can admit to your fears. Don't worry
1: about it. If you're scared, you're scared. It, no, I just think they're gross with their picky. They've got such pecky beaks, and their claws are so, ugh, are so. I don't know. They're very dinosaur-like, aren't they? Because that's what they've well, come yeah. from, and and they just feel very alien. I don't like them. I like magpies because oh. because they're a family, and they taught you know they remember you. Magpies are amazing, right? But, and um, you but, like the the magpies? The well, funny. I am yeah. a Collingwood supporter. Yes. Oh, so. of course. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know. But, but what about beautiful parrots, brightly coloured birds? Yeah, they're pretty, but geez, they make a noise, and they seem like they turn. I feel like they would turn on you.
4: That's the thing. I don't know. I just mm. I don't trust them.
1: Don't trust birds. They're like teenagers. What's your favourite?
4: Oh. My oh gosh, there's so many. I, I love a bird of prey. Big fan of the raptors. <laughs> Yeah, they're so cool. Like um, yesterday, uh, the other day I saw a um, black-shouldered kite Um, and they're like, they're they're not that big, but it's like this bird of prey where they just hover and it's just amazing how can they just kind of stay in the air for ages and then just pounce down and get a rat or something that they were you know up above looking at um also yeah i'm a big fan of parrots love um uh cockatoos glass cockatoos and stuff they're so because yeah they're like teenagers i love them like especially like they're screeching and stuff as well like and they all hang out in gangs and kind of just go what's going on here and they come and peck it you know they're so in- inquisitive as well, you know. They see something shiny, like, "Yeah, I want to get what's that? Oh, I'll eat it and toss it, toss it down and stuff." It's like they're just really cool. And kookaburras, Joe, you've got to love a kookaburra.
1: Yeah, they're pretty. Oh, Look, I, I can appreciate how pretty. I think they're very beautiful birds. But I, I wouldn't choose if I had to save an animal. Would not be
4: birds. If I they was saving- save themselves, mate. <laughs> That's how cool they are. <laughs> but what's it, What do you think is What's it like? you the prettiest bird in. Ah, uh,
1: I love a blue wren. Very pretty. Mm. Mm. Yeah, parrots, amazing. I mean, look, no, they're spectacular. But I, you know, I just I think the way people are obsessed with birds just is a bit obsessed. What are you
4: talking about?
1: <laughs> well, you, you go full bird watching, and you made a calendar yeah. on it, and there's a magazine. Just for money, I mean... mate.
4: Just for money. <laughs>
1: so what else in uh, lockdown Ange and i've been talking about the things that have got us through
4: um what have you got what else have you been doing there Jess? oh mate do you know what i did last lockdown i um I, I, this the first couple it was all about oh yeah eat that comfort food stay home watch tv do do whatever you want just you know lean into it relax um and I, I think I put on about ten kilos, um, and then uh, I think it was like October last, um, yeah, October last year. My um, my partner at her work, they were like doing the ten thousand step challenge. She goes, "Do you want to join our team to do ten thousand steps every day?" I was like, "Yeah." Um, so I started doing that, and so I was going for these really long walks and going, oh there has got to be a quicker way to do this. <laughs> um, so I took up, um, I thought I'm going to try running. Um, and I've never, ever been a runner. I've never been able to run for more than a minute. Um, like try to do that couch to 5K thing. Um, I think it was about five years ago that I first attempted it. Or even longer and was just like could not get past like week three like have i've got really bad asthma um and big boobs and it was just like there's too many things that are stopping me from being a, and it was just like just accept it you're not a runner don't worry about it and then i started again oh, october and then i just i just kept on going um and then managed to do it and um did my first fun run a few months ago and did um, the 10K. So I ran 10K um, and it blows my mind that I could actually do that. And out of all the exercises that I've ever done, nothing else gives me um, the mental and physical results that jogging does. And it's like, I know, I sound. it's, it's funny when you find other people that do run, we're like, it's like a religion. No one else gets it. <laughs> um, and I know because I've been the non-running person going, oh, it's not for me. And, like, I'd love to be able to do it and good on you and stuff. But, oh, man, it was just, it's, it's such a game changer. Um, okay. And so for me running, it's it, I think it's because it's so easy to motivate yourself to do because you don't like you. I don't have to get to a gym. I just have to put on, I have to put on a really good sports bra and <laughs> some joggers and just and just go. And also, like I don't when I go running, like I don't. I'm I allow myself permission to not run the whole time. It's just like, if you know, if I run for like ten minutes and then stop and have a break, and then keep running again that's totally okay because i'm out and doing something whereas you know quite often getting and doing exercise if i couldn't do it all and i couldn't do it perfectly then i why would i even bother um but running's a bit more different so when i say like i go out for a run like it's a lot of walking at the moment but it's you know it's still it's still happening you know Running is the best. Yes. So there's running I and every it. other form of exercise is so
2: far beneath running. I agree. My problem is I busted my Achilles so then I had to become a walker for a number of months and that's just not the same. It's you know, not. You don't get your kicks walking. Um, I'm slowly getting back into running now but I hear you. I hear you. It's
4: mm. and good for the mind.
1: yeah clears your head. It's,
4: oh, the, n- Nothing else makes well, – swimming, I have the same thing if I'm swimming laps but – it's um can swim like it's just nothing nothing's in there <laughs> it's in, but, but in, don't you think the other thing I love about running Jez and you've
1: just totally hit the nail on the head that you I was the same could never run and mm. then I just said oh, I'm going to just add another 500 meters and then I'm going to add a 500 meters and then suddenly once I did a marathon like you know how, how, how does that happen right you turn around and you look behind you and you go what the what did How- I just do? Right. Yeah. That, it's the most beautiful metaphor for life. Because if you just put, you, just keep put going. you set yourself another little goal and another little goal and then you turn around and you go,
4: Wow, look what I've done in my life. That's bloody amazing. Look yeah, at me, do you know what really ha- me The thing that really helped me as well is when I started and I kind of hit a hit a wall. Like it started the first few months and I was kind of doing okay. And then it was like Christmas New Year's Eve time. And I was like, oh, this is party time. You know, this is, we're all on holidays, relax. And I thought, if I let that go, then um, it, it might be hard to get back into it. So I messaged a friend and I said, how do you feel about New Year's resolutions? Like, I'm, I've am i started running and I kind of want to maintain it. Um, and so she was like, yeah, I'm into this. So we would, every time we went for a run, um, we would, you know, have it on our, one of our trackers and, have a screenshot of the map and take a selfie and send it to each other and go this is what i did today um and that would motivate you know the other one to go for a run themselves and then kind of send that in send it so we send it to each other and then um then we would when we could we'd meet up and go for a run together um and like at the start of the i think we did the tan we'd run around the botanical gardens and at the start like we'd do a warm-up walk and then i'd said to her like when we, there's no talking all right there is absolutely no talking because i can't <laughs> talk and run at the same time and so it's just so we'd just run and also she's slightly quicker than me so she would always end up you know a few meters in front which is like she was my rabbit <laughs> and so i would just keep on chasing after her um and then but and she said oh it's really great because i can hear your footsteps behind me and that encourages me to keep on going so the first time we ran a whole 5k without stopping was when we were together and it was just one of the the coolest things it was yeah we're so proud of ourselves and we did the fun run together um and you know so we're still kind of you know Staying, in, you know, messaging each other when we can go for runs and stuff. And I can't wait till we can do it together again. It's just it's something about running with someone else that keeps you motivated to actually to, to keep on going. I uh, think though,
1: and, um, and' you know, you're a walker now and you are you go for run jogs and I'm a bit of a plotter when I run and I look at these elite athletes at the Olympics and I'm like, wouldn't it be good if there was just an event for middle-aged women and 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 60 <laughs> year old men and 22 year old fit you know nothings that are going out down along the beach and it was just all of us doing well basically a fun run but real running so that's the yeah. stop start and it's the <laughs> <laughs> and the red in the face and you yes know, the way and going to the pub it. afterwards
4: yes going to the pub afterwards that's the beauty of it all. Like I love the, I love the pub afterwards. I love um, not caring what I look like when I run. Like that was a big thing as well. It's just like, oh, what do I wear and oh, if I wear like the right clo- too many right clothing, people think I'm taking this too seriously. And it's like, <laughs> yes. it doesn't matter what you wear. You just kind of, you know, go. And also, do you, yeah. what do you listen to? Do you guys listen to anything when you Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. what is it? Musical
1: music. Uh, or? music. I don't know how people jog and listen to podcasts. What's keeping your steps going? Where's the heart rate that's being lifted when someone's droning oh, on like us? Imagine it's... if someone was listening to us right now jogging. I don't think that would well, They'd be on. flying. <laughs> do <Yeah. you>
4: <laughs> But that's just it. Like I've, I've tried the music but I just, I've never been able to do that, you know, when people go, you got to listen to music because so how do you know how fast your pace and stuff? And I was just like, I don't know how to, music's, different i don't know i've just never been over able... do you know what i've listened to is um uh, either nothing at all or um i'll listen to um audio books and i found as one i had this audiobook book there were um it was uh, lectures on world war one but they would go for like <laughs> I'd go for half an hour or twenty minutes this lecture, and then at the end, like they'd get in a round of applause. So once I'd, so I felt that like, like that applause was for me. So <laughs> kind of like just keep running till you hear the applause. So, and then I'd learn about World War One along the way. Nothing, nothing oh. stayed in, but mm. it all kind of goes way out. But mm. you know, yeah, I love it. And we're so late. Do we
1: keep talking? Oh right, sorry, okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm
4: gonna.
2: I'm gonna have to start. I'm gonna start mum school. Yes, mum I know. Is about
1: to start. I know. Oh. Um, it's oh. been so gorgeous to have you on the show, Jez, and um, I want to mention that you guys are doing. You and Kirsty Weebeck are doing a show on Friday night. There was a show last Friday night that Kirsty Weebek put on that actually sold out. They ended up doing two shows. So your mm. show Friday night might already be sold out. I don't
4: know. I think there's very few tickets left. So I think mm. if you if you want to do it, you know, get onto it today. Now. Now. Yeah, Do now. now.
1: Do it now. Do it now. Just head along to try booking and find uh, Kirsty Weebecks Zoom Comedy Hour and you'll be able to see Geraldine and a various bunch of other amazing comics and uh, maybe yeah. there'll be a second show. So thanks so much, Jez, and I'm glad that uh, you're getting through lockdown and there's a bit of, bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully we'll be able to see you live on a stage
4: soon. We're doing Woo-hoo. okay, mates. Well done.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> And Bye. it's been gorgeous to see you. This, this is good. real real time. We're actually off heading out doing some remote learning now. We are. We're only five minutes late too, which is yeah. um, not too bad. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, we've got so much else we were going to talk about. Save I it to next time. Yes, yes, we were going to talk about. I mean, my God, gymnasts and their bum tape, which we is a totally new thing for me. Now that the German team, the German gymnasts, are wearing unitards, I've discovered that those who don't wear unitards have to stick their leotards on. Yes, <laughs> I didn't know this, that. I only learned this today as well.
2: I mean, if that doesn't tell you that it's wrong, I don't know <laughs> what will.
1: And it always... But the good thing
2: about that, all I will say is the great thing about sport in 2021 is that women athletes have found their voice and they are pushing for changes across the board, whether it's pay, conditions, uniform, sexism, the whole lot. They are now saying
1: we can do this differently um, and that's a good thing. Yes, it's a ripper thing. Yes, celebrating ripper. that. Let's celebrate that. And enjoy remote learning Say All the best to beautiful Frances. I'd better go off and check that my daughter is actually even logged on. Who knows? The other day she slept in and I forgot that <laughs> she had to get up. So Have a good day okay. too, Joe. You too, darling. Take care. <laughs> Bye. We'll be back with Broad Radio next Tuesday. Yay.